Thank you for joining us uh, and welcome to our Creativity Pioneers live uh, conversation. I'm Daniele, the Head of Marketing and Communication here at Monskin Foundation. Today, I'm glad to host uh, the great Carlos Tanga. Hello, Daniele. I'm very happy to be here. Your work has been exhibited in Milan, New York, uh, Tokyo, just to name a few. You had, I don't know how many collaborations with incredible international brands, magazine, newspaper, but most important, you are a great friend and a great supporter of the Moleskine Foundation. So welcome, and uh, I'm so happy to have you here today. <laughs> I really enthusiastic to be here. Thank you so much for your invitation. You are in Berlin, correct? Now I am in Berlin, yes, and you are in Milan. So I have prepared a few questions for you, but of yes. course, invite uh, uh, the people that are listening uh, to add uh, your question. There is a specific box, just Great. to the comment box. Uh, so at the end, we will have a, a quick Q&A. So please post your question there. Don't use the comment, otherwise I'm not sure I will be able to track them. Uh, <laughs> so Carlo. I'll start with something. I already said you're a friend, so we're not unveiling, you know, secrets or anything like that. But why did you accept our invitation to join the Moleskine Foundation collection? Well, uh, of course, uh, you are great friends, and uh, but uh, I have always felt uh, a deep sympathy, uh, a very natural sympathy, instinctive uh, sympathy for Moleskine Foundation, uh, because I think Moleskine Foundation believes in the same uh, values I believe in. Uh, for example, uh, no education that is very important, self-awareness, uh, uh, culture, art. And then, uh, in particular, I have to mention creativity, because creativity is, uh, let's say, it's very important for me, of course, but it's very important for Moleskine Foundation. Creativity is a kind of uh, transcendent energy that is involving also all the other values uh, uh, in which we believe. And creative, uh, uh, creativity is, uh, um, let's say, um, very connected with a kind of a positive thinking and it's uh, a powerful element that uh, allows us to uh, make positive things, uh, great things. Um, I always try to dig into words uh, through etymology and to understand the real uh, deep meaning of words. This is one of my passions. And so in the case of uh, creativity, I must say that creativity means, uh, from a very ancient uh, Indo-European uh, root, means to make something that you have never seen uh, on earth before. And so something that is really breaking the walls uh, is changing the vision uh, of the world. And so that's why creativity is so important, uh, is so important for us. I must say that creativity is like somehow a plant that is growing in, on a very well-prepared uh, ground, uh, quality ground, so uh, that means that it's growing for very good values, uh, a general positive situation. Um, I can mention my uh, personal experience, for example. We are in the Pride Month now, and uh, when I made my coming out as a gay man uh, time ago, uh, I realized that my creativity 
after this um, after this uh, coming out was uh, blossoming again in a very very strong way uh, with a lot of energy and i was feeling this freedom to create it was incredible so that means that really creativity is connected with um, positive thinking with self-awareness because i was uh, really uh, aware of myself and i was opening to the world uh, showing my personality completely so uh, yes it was very easy to and very natural for me to um, uh, to reply to uh, moleskin foundation in this way uh, so uh, i'm very happy also to be here thank you and you mentioned you know some keywords like self-awareness okay. yeah those are really the the bread and butter of the, of the <laughs> and uh in the past days since we just mentioned the the notebook you have donated to to our collection we have published uh, a short video showcasing uh, the the notebook your incredible notebook can you tell us a little bit more what inspire you uh and how would you describe in general your creative process as an artist as an illustrator First of all, you mentioned now these uh, uh, notebooks I made for Moleskine Foundation um, in the frame of this project that was called uh, I Had a Dream. And uh, it has been a fantastic experience. But when I've seen two days ago this video in Instagram you posted as Moleskine Foundation, and I also reposted, of course, um, it was a surprise for me because this wonderful video is beginning from uh, a view from above and this uh, um, notebook is opened uh, just like an accordion uh, on the table of uh, Bonvini Gallery with uh, it has uh, recently exhibited and uh, I realized and I was not aware of that when I was uh, making this uh, this project this notebook that this notebook is looking just like a city in itself from above because when you open it on the table and it is standing on the table, you see all the pages just like facades of different buildings. It was a surprise for me and it means that uh, creativity is working on different uh, uh, unconscious level layers and you can discover even though uh, i made it i was not aware of that so it was it has been an amazing discovery um well uh, what inspires me of uh, many things uh, of course uh, inspiration is the engine of creativity so inspiration is very important and is not always too uh, easy to find but in my case is quite automatic, automatic to be inspired by uh, cities, by architecture. And in this case, I was preparing uh, the, my illustrated book uh, about New York. And so uh, I decided to dedicate uh, this uh, notebook, this project to the preparation of this book. So uh, I began to collect many different sketches I made as preparation of this book, uh, also sketched that uh, I did not use later uh, for uh, the final illustrations. And uh, then I decided to put together also pieces of final illustrations I made. So it was a mix between future and past. And it was very strange because I realized uh, I 
I was able to remember the feeling when I was uh, preparing the book, uh, the enthusiasm, the inspiration, everything all together. And uh, now I uh, discovered that this book is a city itself. But what was really important for me to be also inspired by all the other amazing artists who contributed to this project uh, from Moleskine uh, Foundation, uh, because they uh, teach me that uh, you normally uh, think uh, of um, uh, um, a notebook just like uh, uh, a board, uh, a tool where to draw. And so the real protagonist is always the sketch, the drawing, and not the tool in itself, not the notebook. But in this case, uh, by viewing these wonderful artworks, I realized that the notebook could be the protagonist of, of these uh, artworks. It was really uh, a wonderful uh, discover, and uh, I, I like to invite everyone, the viewers, to Google in internet and uh, to find out all these wonderful images of the artwork many artists created for Moleskine Foundation because it's a wonderful, incredible uh, gallery. For me, it was a great surprise, really a great experience. Thank you, Carlo. Very kind. It's now, <laughs> you just mentioned uh, cities. Uh, just looking at your background, I see a couple of illustrations. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, also here I have some print <laughs> on my table. And uh, yeah. so you see New York here and also here, for the case, I have here some little print of this. And cities are definitely your muse. Uh, you are the absolute protagonist of your illustrations. And I remember uh, an interview you had, uh, actually it was a talk uh, in Milan that you had a couple of weeks ago, where you compare cities to human beings at some point. Cities, historically, have always been the hotbed of creativity. And mm -hmm. as reported by the UN, and many other organizations, you know, we're all moving into cities. Six, they say that by 20, 20, uh, 2050, we will, there will be 68% of the world population will actually live uh, in uh, urban areas. So um, from uh, the creativity expressed by a city, we can also measure the well-being of the city itself. How do you measure the creativity of a city and what guide the selection of what city you are going to represent? Well, I must say that uh, I like every city because I realize that when you deepen a subject uh, or you uh, prepare yourself to illustrate, to create a book about a city, uh, of course, you begin to read about the city, you begin to attend uh, this city, to speak uh, with uh, the inhabitants, and uh, you every time uh, fall in love with the city. So uh, it's very difficult to choose a city instead of another city, because at the end, once you have deepened that city, you are really in love with it. And uh, yes, I like to compare uh, cities with people uh, because uh, we use adjectives, we use normally for cities, we use normally for people. 
like for example uh, a lazy city uh, a rich city a poor city an educated city a busy city you saw that they are all uh, adjectives we don't use for animals for example and uh, so it was uh, a playful um, idea uh, but at, at the end it was also useful for me because when i uh, begin to illustrate a city, I actually portray a city, and um, I have another kind of uh, interaction with this city, just like with a friend or with a person. And uh, as time pass by, passes by, I realize that I really um, have something in common with the city. I'm very connected with it. And uh, well, what inspires me is actually uh, the energy of a city and uh, the creativity, but every city has a different kind of creativity. It depends also uh, on the moment in history, of course, uh, it's always an up and down, but uh, sometimes it's really incredible how um, a city can um, assault you with all this energy and creativity and inspire you a lot, very uh, endless. Um, yes, it's always something I could speak, I think, forever uh, about cities because they are really the place of creativity. They have been made by creativity, uh, by creative people. Um, and at the same time, they are the place of creativity because many people are meeting there. You know that in ancient Greece, uh, they called uh, the city polis because Polis uh, come from poloid, that means many. Uh, the city is uh, the place where many people, many uh, different people are, are involved in different encounters. They can begin uh, a dialogue. And uh, so uh, all these differences by this diversity, this diversity that is very important, uh, can generate a lot of creativity, new experiences, uh, a new kind of awareness, uh, again, that is um, a value uh, we believe very much in. And uh, so it's, it's a, a concentration of energy. And today, cities are winning. Uh, people are running away from the countryside. And uh, what is very um, interesting for me in this case is to try to find the real identity of cities because um, with this globalization, uh, you know, cities tend to be a little bit similar one with the other. We have the same stores, chains, for example, in every city with the same uh, names, with same logos on every facade of our cities. and. Uh, modern architecture tend to be the same is very homologated and very standardized and so mm, i would like every time to find out uh, in the um, architecture of course but also in the way for example people uh, wear uh, different outfits um, i like to find these specific characteristics specific features of every particular city. And this is a very nice discovery, it's like to investigate and be very committed in this uh, kind of research. And uh, every time I, I discover new things when I visit a city, I already know 
it's really a new a new adventure every time so and you know that drawing means really observing in a in the deepest way uh, so it's my first tool to know well a city and with to speak uh, with her I say her not it because I consider the city a person and so yes it's a never-ending adventure let's say it's uh, my job is a job where i'm able to join many different kind of patients travel because i have to travel to visit the cities cities and architecture because i like them drawing because i love drawing um, and of course uh, among all these things also meeting interesting people inside these cities so i feel very lucky i mean some years ago uh, I decided to stop with uh, uh, my, to close my uh, architectural uh, studio and to begin a new adventure. And uh, it was a kind of, uh, another kind of coming out, you know, it like to say, okay, I'm not really uh, an architect, but I feel more an illustrator. This very, you know, particular peculiar uh, you know background so you said you you've been an actor wait, you were an architect <laughs> you are an observer you said you just mentioned that you know you travel here and there you really uh, uh, try to discover uh, the cities through the places through the person but you know being an architect at the end how would you design your ideal city to make it more accessible to make it more sustainable to make it more creative at the very end oh this is a very interesting question um actually i don't believe in ideal city i mean when you want to um, uh, found uh, an ideal city uh you know they are not normally so successful like for example brasilia uh, or marco santi or many other cities it didn't work <laughs> yes they didn't work they didn't work because uh, they were uh, too much planed uh, probably and uh, i think because um, the reason is that uh, cities are yes i mentioned before this idea that cities can be also people but uh, they can compare to languages i think because they have the same kind of hybrid uh, nature partly artificial or partly natural. They are generated in a spontaneous way by people who uh, at a certain point in their history decided to found city because they need to do it, like uh, the microorganism of the coral, build coral. It's something that we cannot do without. And uh, at the same time, they are planned in a very uh, artificial way. They are built uh and they are full of buildings uh, and streets and everything and so in the same way also languages um have a very uh, organic uh, nature because they are coming from our body but at the same time they are they are uh, corresponding to artificial rules like grammar syntax and so on and if you think about this comparison also in the case of languages you cannot really create an ideal language uh, that is uh, really working well. For example, um, uh, what's the language uh, uh, Esperanto? 
Esperanto was not working, was not successful. And uh, so like uh, I mentioned before, Osanti, for example, but many other cities in history of town planning. Uh, so I would like to work not on an ideal city, but on a real city and try to solve the problems. Our cities are uh, bigger and bigger. They are growing up in an incredible way and uh, in a big disorder, in a big chaos. And uh, for example, uh, to mention something that we are uh, here uh, very often today, uh, we tend to consider the city, uh, to consider cities divided in center and periphery and outskirts. And in my opinion, we should think uh, about city always like just a unique body, a unique organism that is working all together without thinking, without mentioning always the periphery and center. But uh, it, it would be perfect to try to uh, decentralize the city. Cities cannot have just one center and the periphery around. They have to work together. And when we speak about uh, um, outskirts, for example, many politicians are speaking about us, uh, outsk um, outskirts. Um, it means automatically that there is a center and the center is a kind of a paradise and the outskirts is a, sand, a kind of hell, a, a kind of unlucky part of the city. Actually, also the center has a lot of problem normally, is uh, underpopulated, uh, has a lot of problem of gentrification, uh, is full of offices that now are empty. So we should consider uh, the city like a, a unity and try to solve the problem altogether by creating different centers, uh, for example, museums or important institutions in what they call outskirts and so on, to make the city really working and uh, bringing uh, to the city a new kind of uh, equality this is this is very interesting and uh, now from cities moving moving on uh, this year and next year as a as a foundation we're working on a, a specific topic uh, which is a, a very broad question and the question is what comes first which is the topic also of our educational program at work so Carlo what comes first for you as, a, as an individual? So what comes first, uh, you mean what is most important for me? Well, recently I discovered uh, education, teaching. I, I uh, began to teach on an international platform uh, where I held uh, a series of lessons about illustration. Actually, I share my method uh, in illustrating. And uh, I also kept many lectures. Uh, I meet uh, students. Uh, all these things happened in the last two years. And for me, it was a big discovery because uh, I never thought in my life to teach, even though my mother was a teacher, for example. But for me, it was a very far uh, world. And it was a, a great discovery because uh, I realized how it's beautiful to meet uh, students uh, who are now millennial are living in a digital world uh, so far from your world, even though I always use digital and analog together in my uh, illustrating method. But uh, I am, of course, I was born uh, in a, a 
complete uh, analog world. And uh, uh, it's like a kind of sharing because, yes, I teach, I speak about my uh, work, but I also learn a lot from students and the other people who are following me and are dialoguing with me, speaking with me. So it's a wonderful experience. So for me now, teaching comes first, always together with my work, of course, and my main patients. But it's really a big discovery to find this new value. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 this is this is pretty interesting. And since you mentioned, you know, millennial, Gen Z, uh, younger, I said the younger generation, what is your piece of advice to young people today? The one you met during these courses, or the one that probably you know sent it, sent. I, I guess that you know, or your follower, time to time they probably send their work. And they want advices. You have this Instagram channel that works very well, so I guess there are a lot of interaction with uh, with with students. What what would be your advice? Well, my advice uh, normally, uh, well, I have this kind of feeling that uh, many times uh, uh, students or young people are a little bit shallow and superficial when they have to do with um, internet. Uh, I'm speaking. I have to do with images with the inspiration coming from images. And uh, I noticed that when they, for example, are Googling in Google image, um, they scroll a lot, uh, million and million and million images, and they collect some of these images and collect in a folder, for example, but they do not deepen these images, do not try to find who is the author uh, behind these uh, images. I found, for example, a student who uh, collected a lot of images uh, and many of them were like four or five about David Ockney uh, paintings and David Ockney for me is, I don't know, it's my idol and uh, uh, he was not aware about David Norkley. I did. He didn't know. He just loved, uh, of course, these wonderful images, the uh, wonderful artworks. But he was not aware of that. And I told me, uh, you don't know what uh, you are losing uh, if you are not uh, trying to find out who is hidden behind this uh, um, these images. You could uh, find a, a new world of inspiration because David Ockney uh, is the uh, greatest uh, uh, living painter today, but he's also a great uh, photographer. For example, he experimented every kind of um, work. And so uh, uh, to deepen things means to find new words and a big source of inspiration. So that's why uh, this is my advice. It's not so nice to give advice sometimes because I would like also to have a lot of advice for the other people to make this kind of sharing. But uh, I'm sure about that. I see that many young people are really too, are not so interested in uh, deepen uh, many things. And maybe books tend to um, to be more um, uh, attractive for uh, dipping something. And uh, internet is a little bit more flat because internet provides 
so many things, so many images that you are attracting and distracted by too many things. And at the end, you cannot concentrate uh, or you cannot focus on just one uh, subject you like. And after a few seconds, you forget uh, everything. You forget about these images. And it's a pity because probably these images uh, could be a key for your next inspiration, for your next work. But it's uh, going to be lost. This probably happened the same with information. You know, yeah, absolutely. We're not ready to elaborate them. A lot. Absolutely. You are prepared and you have, you know, critical thinking uh, skills to help you, you know, uh, processing all this information or exactly. images as you just as you just mentioned. So I have one last question on my side. Then there are a couple of questions from uh, our public. Uh, this is a, our classic question, uh, our sort of, uh, you know, a manifesto. Carlo, can creativity change the world? Well, after all this dialogue, uh, what do you think I'm going to, to say? I think yes, yes. Uh, but actually, uh, creativity is uh, changing the world continuously, I think. We are not aware of that, but um, uh, creativity transcends everything and is uh, like a kind of, let's say, diamond or God is changing everything. We have to uh, give creativity the right direction, the positive direction uh, to change the world in the best way. So I think that it's really the, the main aim of creativity is to change the world. Even small changes, but all together these changes are making a great change. Thank you. So Thank you. one question from, uh, a couple of questions actually, uh, from Swedish Lighthouse. She, uh, he or she asked, uh, aren't cities really a collect of neighborhoods in your mind? What are some of your favorite neighborhoods and why? Maybe let's speak Berlin because you, are, you live in Berlin. Maybe there is, if there is a, a neighbor in Berlin that is particularly relevant to you or as she asked or he asked uh, this question. A neighborhood as a district, you mean? Yeah. Uh, not a neighborhood. Yeah, it's, uh, but Berlin is very uh, special because uh, it's quite almost uh, unique as a city because uh, when I was mentioning before the necessity, the need to create a, a multi-centered city, uh, Berlin is just like that because it's like uh, a city made of different centers. We never say, uh, I'm going to the center, to the center of the city, because we have many centers. So we mentioned different uh, uh, districts. I love, for example, very much Schöneberg. Uh, I love uh, Moabit, where I live. I love Charlottenburg when I have my studio here. Now I am in Charlottenburg. And uh, it's so diverse, this city, that uh, I think uh, this is the one of the main uh, positive characteristics of the city. So uh, neighborhood uh, are very important to me because, especially when they are very different one from the other, they make the city less absolutely not boring, and uh, uh, they give you the. Um, uh, the need to change sometimes also district and uh, when you know very well this district 
it's like to make every time a different travel. Sometimes it's like for me to, when I discover a new district, like to make uh, a very short travel, but a very long and interesting uh, travel uh, discovery, even though it's just maybe seven kilometers or something like that. So yes, for me, the city is like uh, uh, an ensemble of different kind of uh, neighborhoods and uh, uh, it makes a city much more interesting. Okay, there is one last question uh, from the architect sketchbook. Uh, they ask if you know you are a very fine observer, and uh, if you know, given the uh, the pandemic, you know, now it's been almost a couple of years, one year and a half uh, with the with the pandemic, and unfortunately, it's not it's not over yet. Have you noticed any change in the in the character of the city or in the um, in the character or in the in some characteristic of the people feeling emotion? You notice, you know, anything, uh, any big change due to the, the pandemic? After the pandemic, because during the pandemic, we know that it goes well. Uh, people are very happy now after the pandemic, of course. And uh, it was uh, a kind of meditation during the pandemic, actually. I think it was a way for the city as a person to meditate about herself or itself or itself. And um, uh, now, after this meditation, probably the city is more aware about uh, itself and uh, now um, I, I guess I hope that uh, the, the problems that every city uh, has will be um, faced uh, in, a, in a different in a better way uh, because uh, I, I hope all this time all this resting time uh, could have been um, useful uh, to think better about cities, to be think better about also uh, the quality of life. It is very important, one of the most important things in cities. And, uh, and the, the need of green, for example, uh, bike lanes uh, and uh, all these uh, ecological things that are so important to live better in town. Okay, so before we wrap up, uh... If you find this conversation interesting and you want to know more about the, uh, the foundation, you can subscribe to our newsletter. You can follow our social media channel. Uh, you can listen to our podcast, become a member. I mean, there are many ways to get involved uh, in the Moskin Foundation work. Also, uh, if there are organizations listening, you know, partnership are in our uh, DNA. So feel free to reach out if you are interested in exploring any uh, more strategic uh, opportunities. Carlo, thank you very much for... Uh, thank you, Daniele. Thank I, you very much. Really enlightening, and I'm sure the people, the many people attended the event will agree with me. So, Carlo, thank you again for being with us, and... Uh, hope to I'm see very you. grateful. Thank you so much, Daniele. Thank you. Ciao. <laughs> see you Ciao. soon. Ciao. 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 <laughs>